Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. I am so thrilled and excited to be here today as scandal hits the meat industry. Uh, It's truly, truly, truly shocking what, what has happened. And what essentially has happened is that there is a new lawsuit that alleges that managers at a Tyson plant in Iowa actually took bets they actually took bets on which workers would get COVID, but actually it was more than that. It was how many workers would get COVID on the kill floor. So to me, that is just incomprehensible. It's really shocking. And I'm going to say it again. What we're talking about is breaking news, a scandal in the meat industry, a lawsuit that has gotten major, major coverage in the mainstream media alleges that Tyson and managers at an Iowa pig slaughtering plant took bets, took cash wagers on how many of their workers their own workers would get COVID like it was some kind of game. And uh, I want to get your reaction, Gwenna Hunter, Vegans of LA, uh, Vegans for Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. to this, this allegation that has truly shocked the nation. Yeah, it's, it's a very bold thing to do, especially the fact that it, it was known what was going on before this what type of bets how their safety was um looked at and how they've been respected to be able to openly and publicly take bets on people's lives like that so it just lets you know the type of culture that they're in because you know what type of safety do you have emotionally or physically when you have people that are above you that are supposed to protect you that are taking bets on your livelihood not just on you being able to come to work if you're sick, but you could possibly die and people have died. So I just find it to be, I don't even know the right word to use. Like I was thinking like hypocritical. No, that's not right. Um, Horrible. That's a typical word, but privilege. I don't know what type of word to use for that, but to, you know, I guess that's the nature of this industry. I want to read from the statement from Tyson. Then we're going to go straight out to Iowa to Joe Enriquez Henry, who is a labor leader there who works with the slaughterhouse workers and who has actually gone plant-based in solidarity with the slaughterhouse workers. So Tyson said in, in reaction to this scandal, I mean, it's making headlines, USA Today, CNN, all over the world that the managers were taking wagers on how many of their workers would get sick 
from COVID. Um, this is what Tyson Food says. Quote, we expect every team member at Tyson Foods to operate with the utmost integrity and care in everything we do, said Tyson CEO and President Dean Banks. If these claims are confirmed, we'll take all measures necessary to root out and remove this disturbing behavior from our company. They're going to conduct an independent investigation led by, holy moly, Eric Holder, um, you know, who was the attorney general under uh, President Barack Obama. Um, your reaction to all this, you are there in Iowa, Joe. What say you? Thank you, Jane. Uh, you know, clearly, not only are these slaughterhouses hotspots for the virus, but they're hotspots for racism. So racism has gone hand in hand uh, with the treatment of these workers. This, these companies over the last several decades have transformed their facilities, have made them uh, a killing facilities, killing animals, and also exploiting workers, and of course now killing workers, and also using racism to exploit workers. So clearly that's the way we see it. You know, also in uh, USA Today yesterday, uh, you know, this issue of slaughterhouses has become so paramount. It is now across the country in another article, meatpacking industry could face changes under Biden. So, uh, which was done uh, between USA Today and uh, the investigative uh, Midwest Center for Investigative uh, Research reporting. So it, this is terrible. Uh, we have to, these plants are creating not only, again, hotspots for the virus, but a way to promote racist behavior. Clearly at the Waterloo plant, you know, this has come out, but we've, we've seen this across other uh, meatpacking facilities across the country. 500,000 workers work at these almost 500 facilities across the country. And I am sure it, from our reports too, uh, that workers are being treated in the same way. They're being treated as like the animals. Um, I am going to effort now playing a CNN report on this, not the whole thing, but some of it. Let's see if I can do it. And if I can, I will. Um, but maybe I'll do that in a little bit. I want to go to Renee King Sonnen. We just had a summit. Yes, this weekend, the Rancher Advocacy Program Summit, where we talked to ranchers and farmers and paired them with leaders in the vegan movement like Miyoko Shinner, like Kip Anderson of Cowspiracy and What the Health how farmers and ranchers can thrive without using animals. Do you see any irony or um, parallel to the fact that this scandal about this, uh, if it's true, really morally bankrupt behavior in the meat industry is occurring at the same time as ranchers and farmers want out, Renee? Absolutely, Jane. And what a, what a eye-opening summit it was. You know, the, the whole premise of taking wagers at these slaughterhouses is irresponsible. It's inexcusable. And I see, I definitely see the correlation, correlation to racism. Uh, you know, the Ranchers Advocacy Program is all about helping ranchers and farmers see alternative ways from using animals on their land. So, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if ranchers and farmers start, if the common everyday ranchers and farmers stop farming animals, slaughterhouses are going to have big trouble. 
You know, they're invested. Slaughterhouses are invested. Meatpacking plants, factory farms. They're invested in the, in the farmers like my husband used to be, like Richard and Cindy Trailer, like the Chakras. They're invested in these small farmers, you know, staying in business. But the problem is these, these small farmers are now unable to make any money because of the mega producers that animal agriculture has become. So yes, I see the correlation. I mean, it's all about profit. It's all about money. It's all about getting the most animals in the little in the littlest bit of space, uh, pumping them up with antibiotics, pumping them up with whatever else they did pump them up with to keep them from getting infections. You know, it doesn't take brain surgery to figure out. Infections are there. And like your friend Claire Smith has pointed out, you know, the biggest um, majority of all these COVID cases are concentrated in, in the areas that have the most slaughterhouses. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And for those who may not know, the managers are, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe Enriquez Henry, overwhelmingly white. And the slaughterhouse workers that they were betting on are overwhelmingly, almost exclusively people of color, uh, Latinos, African-Americans, and actually people from all around the world. Some 30 languages are spoken at one slaughterhouse alone. So that's the dividing line as you see it, Joe. Well, correct. I mean, 86% of uh, management is white and have been hiding in their offices during this pandemic, whereas over 90% of the workers are people of color and from other countries. So, you know, clearly we see this major significant difference. And of course, uh, these uh, management folks have looked at these workers as different than them and have treated them accordingly. And this, again, we need to stop this. That's why we're doing the boycott. But, you know, Jane, also we need to discuss how not difficult it will be to transform these facilities into plant-based production. We can do that. The workers will not lose their jobs. Uh, clearly, we have to get that message out there. PETA has already provided research on how to convert these facilities into plant-based processing. So we have to get that information out too, along with the, plant, along with the boycott. And I must say, ever since you went uh, plant-based in solidarity with the slaughterhouse workers, you are looking mighty fine. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> thank God for plants. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to try to share my screen and play this because I thought it was really significant. Having been in the mainstream media for four years, uh, four decades rather, um, I've always been disheartened that these kinds of stories don't get the kind of coverage that they should. And so uh, what I'd like to do is effort, uh, I think, a breakthrough report on CNN that did talk about this because they will not talk about the animal suffering. Unfortunately, that's verboten. And you know, the basis of all moral bankruptcy and evil is the assumption that some suffering does not count. But now that people are not, they've always been exploited, but now that there's this sort of uh, I would call a sadistic element. If indeed the allegations in this lawsuit are true and they're going to be investigated by none other than Eric Holder, um, if that's true, then there's a sadism aspect of it uh, that is truly disturbing. So let's see if we can do this. All right, here we go. You can see if you're watching that they, CNN is covering this and the headline says wrongful death lawsuit against Tyson Foods claims supervisor 
organized bets on how many workers would get coronavirus. The plant manager of the Waterloo facility organized a cash buy-in winner-take-all betting pool for supervisors and managers to wager how many employees would test positive for COVID-19. That is reading from the lawsuit. So you get the idea. This is historic because we're actually seeing mainstream media um, talk about this issue, which has been verboten. It has been absolutely verboten. So we're going to stop the share and go back to commentary. Gwenna Hunter, uh, you are with Vegans for Black Lives Matter. And Mm -hmm. while people generally think that most of the slaughterhouse workers are newly arrived immigrants from Latin America, there are also a tremendous amount of African-Americans who are working in the slaughterhouses. Bring us up to date on that in light of this um, really shocking and horrifying allegation that they kind of thought it was funny that the people that they were managing would get sick with a very, very deadly virus. And it's been revised with even more troubling claims, including the alleged betting pool. Another manager is also alleged to have explicitly directed supervisors to ignore symptoms of COVID-19, telling them to show up to work even if they were exhibiting symptoms of the virus. A concern one employee echoed to CNN in April. Do you think they care about your health? Not as much as they need to. And we got a statement in from the CEO of Tyson Foods, Dean Banks, and it reads in part, we are extremely upset about the accusations involving some of the leadership at our Waterloo plant. Tyson Foods is a family company with 139,000 team members, and these allegations do not represent who we are. And Jake, he went on to say that the alleged individuals involved would be suspended without pay and that he's tapped former Attorney General Eric Holder to launch an independent investigation. So um, getting back to our panel, what is your reaction to that, Gwenna Hunter? Well, um, I had a chance to look up really quickly the gentleman that was being interviewed in that particular um, video that you showed. His name is Ernest Latiker. Um, now, if you can see it like that on yeah. the screen here. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. So back in April, um, he was told that he would be safer at work than going to, to Walmart. Um, and so that's what his, his job told him. That a Tyson Food employee claims HR told him he was safer at work than shopping at Walmart before his meat processing plant was forced to close amid coronavirus outbreak. This was back in April. Also, when I looked him up, one of the first things that pulls up um, is that he um, used to be in prison. And that's another issue um, that people don't realize is that, you know, these aren't dream jobs or jobs that people want. These are jobs that people um, have sometimes very little choice in the matter when it comes to like their survival. You know, I've heard people say, oh, you can sell flowers, you can do this. That's easy to say. Even to sell flowers, you have to have a little bit of capital um, in order to even have that type of business. So oftentimes when they're released uh, from prison, they have to find a job within a certain period of time. And these, you know, plants, you know, these jobs are are open arms. Um, My concern is, you know, how do we rescue people from these situations? I can only imagine the type of anxiety one must have if you have a family and this is where you have to go every day and you have children at home or you have loved ones or just yourself and you have people, if, if people are walking around doing cash buy-in bets, just imagine 
how they're being treated when it just in general. So if you have the boldness of that, I can't imagine what it feels like to pull into a parking lot every day and you have to be in there eight, 10, 12 hours doing a bloody job. And you probably have supervisors that are probably talking to you in ways that you can't even imagine. So it's like, it's great to blow the whistle. It's great to do lawsuits, but how do we rescue people out of these positions, out of these situations now? And uh, what I would like to bring up is there are so many people who care about people. They're humanitarians, okay? They, they want to end world hunger. They want to feed hungry children. And they want um, people of all backgrounds, all races, creeds, colors, religions to be treated fairly. And yet they eat animals. And by eating animals, they are supporting this horrific exploitation and they are contributing to world hunger and they are contributing to the dehumanization of people who are forced to kill for them while they get to walk around and talk about how peaceful and loving they are. It is the ultimate hypocrisy and we don't say it to point the finger and be mean. We say it to encourage people to wake up. If you know, it's been said, you can't be an environmentalist and be eating animals because animal production is a leading cause of climate change, of greenhouse gas emissions. It's a leading cause of habitat destruction, wildlife extinction. If you are advocating against world hunger, the first thing you should go do is go plant-based because at least 36% of all crops produced are fed to farm animals who produce far less food. And there's many other statistics that point to animal agriculture is a leading cause of human world hunger. They're eating, farmed animals are eating a huge, huge, huge percentage of the food that's produced and they're producing very little food comparatively. And now we also say, if you are a progressive quote unquote liberal type person who believes in equality, who's marching for equality, if you're eating animals, look at the exploitation you are underwriting. Oxfam issued a report uh, a while back that said these slaughterhouse workers, many of them have to wear adult diapers because they are not given sufficient bathroom breaks. Before we go to break, I want to go to Joe Enriquez Henry about this. What is it going to take for people to wake up and realize that when they eat animals, they are exploiting not only animals, but the planet. And now in extreme examples, humans, uh, unmute yourself. Okay, so clearly we're going to need more lawsuits. Unfortunately, uh, the lawsuits are going to push the envelope on the discussion about the danger in these workplaces, about the danger of meat processing, uh, which needs to end. We need to get the science out there. This is how we took on big tobacco several decades ago. We have to do it the same way. People need to know that meat production is unhealthy to humans. It, it causes havoc on the environment. It is morally wrong, ethically wrong to animals. We have to do that and we have to strengthen OSHA under this new administration, which will bring out the science about the unsafe working conditions in these facilities. Truth matters, science matters. We can get out there, lawsuits matter too. And then the boycott is significant 
in this struggle. And that's why we need to do all those things. We need to connect the, the environmentalists with the animal rights, with the workers, and make sure that the, we're all fighting together. 500,000 workers are involved on this nationally at these 450 plants. They don't have to shut down if they can be transformed to plant-based production. That's going to be the right thing for everybody. But we have to get that out there. Okay, and we have so many comments uh, coming in on Facebook. Patty Pitty Ramos says, systemic racism, wake up humanity. Well said, Patty. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we are going to stay live on Facebook. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. Jane Velez Mitchell here, Voice America Radio. We have an incredible panel. We're talking about the fact that a new lawsuit alleges that the managers at a Tyson pig slaughter facility in Iowa, where one of our guests is based, made bets, made cash wagers on how many of their workers, overwhelmingly minority, um, new immigrants, uh, people of color across the board, 30 languages spoken, um, are going to get COVID or were going to get COVID. And this came up in a lawsuit filed by one of the workers' families um, in the end, a thousand employees contracted COVID-19 and five died. That includes Isidro Fernandez, whose family filed the lawsuit against the meat empire. So what we're talking about is, is this enough to wake people up to say, oh, uh, I know so many people. I live in, you know, a liberal bastion, uh, Venice, California, pretty much that area. And, um, so many people who consider themselves extremely progressive on all sorts of issues, feminism, 
um, equality, racial equality. Um, they they do not make the connection to uh, supporting exploitation by eating animals. So Gwenna Hunter, uh, I know you're doing a lot of work with this. You created Vegans for Black Lives Matter. Can you elaborate on some of the work, you, the important work you're doing to wake people up? Well, and I'll tell you too, um, it gets exhausting <laughs> emotionally sometimes trying to wake people up um, because it's, we, I think everybody has a form of cognitive dissonance when it comes to certain types of awakenings and certain types of messages. And because I am uh, a black person, I do often hear people say, well, why, if you're with, you know, if you're marching and protesting, shouldn't they be the first ones to understand what suffering is and they should be the first ones to go vegan? And yeah, in verbal words and on paper, that would make sense. But with human, uh, when you're in this body, it doesn't necessarily happen that way because the programming on this planet is so tough. And so the layers of trying to deprogram people to connect with the fact that uh, we're not the only ones that are suffering. It's a hard, it's not as easy. It's not e it's easier said than done. Um, but I know for myself, one of the ways that I try to um, help people make the connection because I work uh, with Black Lives Matter as far as like providing food and groceries. So in the beginning- Vegan food. Vegan Yes, food. all vegan delicious food. Um, groceries and we have, you know, once a month we have um, a hot food vendor, vegan, all vegan business um, that will provide hot food. And so in the beginning, I didn't want to push too much. I just wanted to, to get, you know, be trusted and be a part of the, of the organization and the family. And so now I'm being a little bit more pushy with the message. And it's every, the way in isn't always to tell people about animals. Like I, I'm, you know, I learned that on this journey. That's not always the, the, the empathy, the heart opener. Sometimes the heart opener may be with a group like Black Lives Matter, since it's about social justice, is to talk about the racism within animal agriculture, how they are, like you said earlier, Jane, funding your own oppression. So sometimes you have to find out, you know, as a, as a vegan or as an activist or as an organizer, you have to take the responsibility to learn more about how to be an amazing activist because you can't just have the same conversation with the same type of people. Introducing them to delicious food. You know, we've been doing this, I think, five months now. And I was told last, last month, Gwyneth, you're, the score is perfect. You know, every food that I bring to them, they're like, this is, last month we had um, fr uh, oyster, fried oyster sandwiches, fried chicken sandwiches, but it was oysters. Yeah, and, and everyone, like, when you say chicken, just because people really don't know, you yeah. don't mean a dead animal, you mean a vegetable product that is done in the form of fried chicken. Exactly. And it's really important sometimes, and I know people don't like it, but when you're dealing with people that are not vegan, it's really helpful to still use those names for them yeah. for a time. Right. Because if you just say, oh, I got some... Uh, fried oyster. They're like, what the heck is that? Like, get that out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, you know, what I see here is just this incredible coming together. We have on this panel, uh, Gwen Hunter with Vegans for Black Lives Matter and Vegans of LA. 
we have Renee Kingsonen, who is the wife of a former cattle rancher in Texas. They turned their Texas cattle ranch into a vegan animal sanctuary. She and her husband went vegan and they are encouraging other ranchers who are also going vegan and saying, we don't want to kill the animals. This doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. And then we've got Joe Enriquez Henry in Iowa, a labor representative who is working with these exploited workers at the slaughterhouse who's gone plant-based in solidarity with the slaughterhouse workers. So we, and I'm here in Los Angeles as a journalist and author, um, born and raised in Midtown Manhattan. So we have really the entire country. We have the Midwest, we have the East and the West Coast, and we've got Texas. Joe Enriquez Henry, how do we bring these disparate elements together? That's one of the things we were tackling with the RAP Summit. It seems like everybody is waking up in their own way to the horrors of animal agriculture, but we haven't connected the dots. Yeah, and I, and I think it's clear, um, and again, not to bring politics into it, but it's very important. I think the people voted in this election for science, workers' rights, the environment, to end racism. This recent uh, episode of what happened at the meatpacking slaughterhouses at Tyson clearly shows that racism has been spreading amongst these facilities, and we need to fight for that. So fighting to end racism means boycotting meat. We really have to connect the dots. Animal rights is human rights the fight for animal rights. We can bring this all together, but again, it, it's going to take education. It's gonna take those marches as Gwena has brought up. You know, we need people back out in the streets, fighting for the rights of workers, fighting to end racism, fighting for animal rights, fighting for the environment. We're gonna to have to do that. Even in, it is our hope that this next administration uh, puts back uh, much of the much of the regulation that was there before for OSHA and the CDC, but even more so because more has to be addressed. But as we regulate this industry, what's going to be found out is that people will continue to be sick, will continue to get sick due to the environment that exists in the facilities. And the science is coming out, clearly showing that eating meat is the wrong way to go. It's a carcinogen, just like tobacco. So we can do all those things, but we have to mobilize. And yet, despite all that, I looked at the New York Times this morning online, which is how I read it now. Turkey, turkey, turkey. I mean, even as they do articles that talk about how food production has to change, how meat is disastrous to the environment, they still promote turkey. And they still come up with meat recipes on the front page. This is the great dichotomy, Renee Kingsonen. And you deal with it perhaps more than anybody on this panel because you are there in cattle country. Yeah, I mean, turkeys are sentient, beautiful, loving beings. I uh, can't believe the way that turkeys are treated in uh, the mega-producing uh, animal ag you know, businesses. I mean, they're just treated as, as property. Uh, these birds are shackled upside down and, you know, their lungs, their organs are crushed. They're not meant to be upside down. They, they're in terror. Uh, you know, we have a beautiful, beautiful turkey. Her name is Seeley. Uh, and Seeley has gotten, you know, national attention uh, because she's so beautiful. She's nine years old. She will never see a slaughterhouse. 
and she's a house turkey. I mean, she lives in our home, and, uh, you know, she's an incredible being. The fact that we have reduced animals to property is a result of our consciousness. We have a normalized, violent consciousness. And until we start addressing the root problem, which is oppression all across the board of animals, of people, of women, of you know, minorities left and right. I mean, we oppress, we oppress, we oppress. And you know, one of the things we have to look at, and, and as being a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, I like to look at it sometimes through the eyes of this program, because there's one thing that we can all absolutely agree upon. And that's what we need to look at, is what do we have in common? Vegans and farmers and ranchers all agree that they are against the mechanized and exploitive monster that agribusiness has become. We are all against that. Farmers have been reduced to serfs. They no longer have any control of their land, their animals, what they do, the decisions they make. Big agriculture pulls the shots. So when big agriculture is pulling the shots and the farmers are barely able to make a living, there's something really wrong, and we all agree on that. And I think that's where the Ranchers Advocacy Program, you know, the, the things that we've been talking about, uh, the way we're going to really expand and grow the Ranchers Advocacy Program is to create kind of a clearinghouse, a way where we can bring all types of ways to transition, all types of modalities and ways to change animal agriculture so that we can get this world on the right track. Or we're going to all just fall off the cliff or be burned up. I'll never forget when I was at the Women's March and the night before uh, we gathered with some people and this one woman ordered chicken and then she didn't touch it. She left it on the table and, er and everybody else was plant-based. And I said to her, I said, you know, you ordered that animal and you just, she said, I don't want it. I said, well, an animal died and she was she had zero interest in having the conversation, shut me down, and um, basically had zero empathy. And the reason I bring it up is that here we were gathered to march against the oppression of women, to express um, support for matriarchal values, and the forcible impregnation of animals in the factory farming system where 9 billion animals are raised in the United States alone and 70 billion are forcibly impregnated around the world. That's just land animals. And I'm sorry, I'm going to spell it out. Forcible impregnation is rape. In fact, the industry term is rape rack. And the fact that I couldn't get her to open up her mind to the fact that this being who was forcibly who impregnated into being and who um, lived a horrible life and died a horrible death and then was discarded without even being touched, that that entire cycle of life and death was a moral uh, blight on all of us. And that since we were there to, to talk about compassion and progress, that was something that she could look at, made me realize, Gwenna, it's very hard for people to extend their circle of compassion beyond their fingertips. 
In other words, people who get shot, suddenly they're for gun control. But until they got shot, they weren't for gun control. People who have a um, a gay member of their family suddenly open their heart to the LGBTQ issue. But, uh, but if they didn't have a member of their family who's gay, they wouldn't. You know, this is a common theme. What do you make of that, Gwenna? We're, you're breaking up, Gwenna. We're going to go to uh, Joe for that answer, and then we'll come back to you, okay? Because you were breaking up. Uh, Joe? Yeah, Jane, it, it's going to take a lot of education, but I think one of the important things is, you know, these workers are facing uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome when they're on the line running these knives through the throats of these hogs. I mean, this is not easy. Uh, this is not a job uh, that you can recover from. Uh, kind of going back historically, 30 to 40 years ago when meatpacking had a kind of a more of a uh, strong workers' rights type of situation. Those who killed the animals were allowed time off the line uh, after so many days of, of killing. Uh, now, clearly now in this situation where people of color, immigrant labor have been used, there is no time off. These workers are suffering. Their suffering needs to be brought forth uh, because even they, even, even if it's a, on a subconscious level, realize that what they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is wrong. So more education, protest for that person that ordered that chicken. If they only knew, and we have to confront them. Uh, and again, going back out onto the streets, uh, also using science, and then strong workers' rights laws on a federal level, all of those will come together. The lawsuits will be important, especially even more important in this new administration where this next president, I hope, will, will take back that executive action that had prevented those companies from being sued. They need to be sued. They need to be held accountable. They need to spend big bucks paying for the terrible things that they did. And it, that will have an impact on the meat industry. Uh, Gwen, are you back? Oh, you're still, you know what, go out and come back in. If you go out and come back in, it could work. Um, so I, I do feel. I am, okay. am I? Oh, there you are. Oh, okay, yeah, go out and come back in. Uh, Renee Kingsonen, um, I, I always say animal cruelty is a bipartisan issue because um, let's face it, um, the the Democratic candidates held uh, steak fries while they were talking about climate change. You know, um, I do feel that the one bill that Cory Booker, who is a vegan, is proposing and um, Elizabeth Warren is getting behind, uh, which essentially calls for phasing out factory farms, not fast enough, but it's a step in the right direction, is a good possibility. But you have to remember that when um, Michelle Obama... Uh, started a uh, program to get kids to eat their veggies, it was mysteriously switched to let's move. And a lot of people felt that, oh, what, what that was, was big, big meats, big pharma coming in and saying, we don't want you to talk about your veggies. Just talk about exercise. Because the entire economy is predicated on... Uh, this industry, if people stopped eating animals, then the pharmaceutical industry would collapse because people wouldn't eat all those pills. The healthcare industry would be in trouble. 
uh, on and on and on. The fast food industry, which of course now they're starting to see the light and McDonald's is, is introducing a, a meatless burger uh, along with all, all the others. Uh, but, but talk a little bit about that, Renee. Well, you know, the, the whole thing with, you know, the legislation, uh, you know, you mentioned Elizabeth Warren and, and, uh, and Cory Booker and the work they're doing. Um, you know, there's so much to talk about in this regard because, you know, there's so much money in our government. I mean, money buys those lobbyists. And so until we get together and mobilize and put our, not only our heads and our hearts together, but our money. And we figure out how to get the green bonds, to get the land, to, to, to create the sustainable sanctuary so that animals, you know, don't have to, so we have a place for these animals that are going to be exiting the food system because they are and they will. You know, we need a place. We need to be ready. And, you know, and so at the same time, we need legislation. We need to be paying vegan lobbyists to be going in and, and, and laying the groundwork in governments, in Congress. We need to keep beating the door down, you know, in Congress. And so we have to have real lobbying efforts. That's why I'm so, you know, proud to be on a board, uh, Agricultural Fairness Alliance, and that the Rancher Advocacy Program was used as a model for the At-Risk Farmer and Rancher Transition Act that uh, Laura Reese and Connie Spence have been pushing, you know, and trying to knock the doors down in Congress. I mean, because this is what it's going to take. Cory Booker has seen that legislation. He put a thumbs up on it. Elizabeth Warren, I think, saw it too. Don't quote me on that. But I know Cory Booker did. And Elizabeth Warren herself, this is a quote from Elizabeth Warren. She says, the COVID-19 crisis is making it even easier for big ag to get even bigger and gobble up small farms, leaving farmers out in the cold, and consumers, you and me, facing the higher costs and fewer choices. Yeah. Gwenna Hunter is back. That's a great quote. Gwenna, you are back. Mm -hmm. uh, take it away, my dear. Yeah, I kind of lost where I was. I think I was kind of talking about before the the disconnect. I think that's what we're kind of talking yeah. about. Connect. And I think what what really helps and helping people make these connections, what has helped me in helping make people make the connection is connecting emotionally with suffering. And not just starting with the animal suffering, but having people recognize their own suffering and understanding that, because I don't know anyone that hasn't experienced some form of suffering in their life. I think that's one thing that we can all bond with. Everyone has experienced some form of suffering, some form of abuse, some type of pain. And, and when that connection is, guess what? A cow is just as conscious as you are. She's pregnant for nine months. That was something I didn't even know. I didn't even learn that until I became vegan, that a cow carried a baby in their body for nine months, just like us human women. And so when you start making the the connections you can say, and I think that I experienced this, she's a cow, but she also experiences this. That really helps people make the connection. And sometimes we have to be patient and kind of dish the information out 
um, with people in ways that they can relate to it. Because, you know, if you just tell somebody like, oh, animal agriculture is horrible, it's cruel, those are just words. That's nothing anyone can really visualize because they may not have seen the slaughter videos. They may not have seen what how a cow actually gets pregnant. So you have to create some type of conversation that can create one visualization of the suffering. Gwenna, we're going to let you go because um, you're breaking up again, but your points are very well taken and every word that comes through is a gem. So we love Gwenna Hunter. She is doing so much. You are really <laughs> on the forefront and I'm so delighted to be working with you. Uh, you're amazing. So thank you, Gwenna Hunter. Carry on, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> love you, love you so much. All right, keep up Bye. your great work. Um, so yeah, we're talking about the fact that um, this is a problem that is sort of seeping up to the surface. Joe, you're in Iowa. You are in the center of the pork pig. I don't like to say pork, the pig killing industry. We are. We do, are. Do you see as COVID uh, sweeps through the slaughterhouses, as workers get sick, as we have a pandemic crisis with the number of uh, people getting sick and dying skyrocketing, as you have these scandals erupting where and by the way, we invite Tyson on any time. Uh, we read your statement. Uh, but you have these scandals where you see this alleged uh, really sadistic behavior on the part of the managers. Uh, do you see people in Iowa waking up and going, you know, maybe we need to change. Maybe we need to embrace plant-based. Well, I, I, you know, clearly, Jane, I mean, within the Latino community and, and uh, people of color communities, we have seen, you know, in our, with our own families, the need to, uh, to fight this terrible situation that exists in these slaughterhouses. I mean, racism is being used to promote exploitation of workers. I mean, clearly that's what happened at Tyson. The hospitals are full on the COVID floors right now throughout the state of Iowa per capita. We're at the top three of the virus infections. We are having Thousands of people become affected every day from 100 or 200 in June to 3,000 a day here in Iowa, little Iowa, with uh, only 3 million people. 10 meatpacking workers have died. One just died a week ago. Uh, workers are throwing up inside these plants, even oh. with their uh, mask on, because they're still required to work at a fast pace. They are throwing up. They're throwing up while they're on the line. They're being told that they need to go to work. If they want to take time off, they have to file for unemployment. They're not going to automatically get paid sick pay. I mean, the misery, the havoc that's happening to these workers, these facilities have become Chernobyl's. That's why we're at a high infection rate here in Iowa. The New York Times has noted Iowa as one of the top three again across the border in Nebraska. 22 meatpacking workers have died, Texas, 20-some. I mean, there's top 10. We're in the top 10. So, yes, there is more and more of an awareness. But clearly, this national connection that we're talking about now, about building coalitions, fighting racism, fighting for animal rights, fighting for workers' rights, all of this is connected. So we have to continue the discussion. We have to mobilize more. We have to go to boycott meat on a regular basis, the consumer boycott is important. So all of this comes together. 
And again, this is what people wanted. This is when they voted in November, early November, they voted for change, they voted for science, they voted for workers' rights, they voted for the environment, they voted to end racism. All of this is connected with the struggle that we're underway with right now. Wow. Okay. Well, we're wrapping up. I want to give Renee King Sonen a chance to sort of put all these disparate elements together. I mean, we're, we're talking geography. We're talking different kinds of movements, whether it's the women's movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, the ranchers and farmers seeking to get out of this indentured servitude movement, the animal rights movement, uh, the workers' rights movement, the labor movement. If, if we could bring those together, oh my gosh. Well, you said it, you know, let's, the conversations, you know, the conversations that we're having are going to change people. The conversations we had on that rap summit, I can't tell you, Jane, how many emails, how many messages, uh, privately, on my phone, letters. I mean, I got a long letter I'm going to read here in a minute. That is unbelievable. He tried to get in, couldn't we were at capacity, and he was thrilled we were at capacity because he was like, oh, my God, that means change is coming. The people that want the information, that want the change, they are just needing ways to get there. And what Jane Unchained is offering that I am beginning to see clearly after working with you so closely on the RAP Summit is that we have the opportunity to get cross-posting organizations in every country that if we can start having this conversation truly on a global scale, truly, we will make the change that we're talking about. It's a no-brainer. We just have to become, like you've always said, our own media and getting it global, getting these commitments. And I want to promise you this. I am here to help you do that. I got it firsthand. I mean, something happened to me the other day when I started working to help get cross posters. I get it. Renee, we have two minutes. If you're going to read your letter, thank you for that comment, but read it right this second, ma'am. Oh, read you the letter that, um, that I'm not online just now? To read it, or you could summarize it. Well, I'll just tell you, it's so amazing. It says... Uh, from one rowdy to, um, to another, imagine the world as one. Renee, you wouldn't believe how excited I am that the Zoom room filled to capacity and left me holding a ticket in the hallway. I have been waiting for 50 years for proof of concept and confirmation that our creator is not an absentee slumlord, leaving the managers free to have their way with us. Starting with anybody. I could go on and on. This letter is long. It's a long letter. I have to go and read it. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm like, this is not the only letter I've gotten. I've Absolutely. gotten several. And, and hopefully, Joe, you can be uh, a part of these upcoming summits. We're going to be doing them. We actually had a bit of a crisis because we had so many people who wanted to weigh in, so many experts who could weigh in. And then we did a rehearsal and realized everybody's going to get 20 seconds. So we got to break it up. So um, <laughs> we are going to continue the conversation, but you know, it's very hard to measure progress in real time and it's sloppy and it's messy and it's not a straight upward trajectory. It's three steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back. So you see things like 
uh, people waking up and <clears throat> the New York Times and other thought leaders doing articles that outline the kill floor and talk about some of the horrors. Then you see them, you know, coming up with a turkey recipe and promoting meat in other ways. And it feels like maddening because you just want people to get it, get it. Animal agriculture is destroying our world, period, yeah. end of story. And what always just baffles me is how intelligent people who can understand the nuances of, for example, the Mueller investigation, which I listened to that while I was driving around town before COVID. And it's very complicated. A lot of it went right over my head. Well, if you can master that, how come you can't master that 7.8 billion humans killing, systematically torturing and killing 70 billion land animals every year who eat far more than they produce as food is a really, really bad idea. How is it that you can't handle that? And, and what it is, is addiction. The addict mind works for the substance. It doesn't work for the person. And that's why a moment of clarity is required for people to break out of an addiction. It's called hitting bottom. And I really hope that we're hitting bottom on eating animals. Uh, we are not pure victims in this pandemic. We are participants. This is a zoonotic disease that jumped from animals to humans. And remember, it first cropped up amongst those who had visited a slaughterhouse, a retail slaughter market called the wet market in China. And all these other ones, mad cow, swine flu, avian flu, they are zoonotic, okay? So we need to rearrange our relationship with animals and nature in general. And I just think two of the people on the front lines are here with me, along with Gwena Hunter, Joe Enriquez Henry and Renee King Sonnen in Iowa and in Texas, really on the front lines. You guys are my heroes. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you to Voice America Radio, executive producer Tacey Trump and Andrew in the control room for allowing us to have this conversation, which, by the way, should be had on mainstream media and is not being had. So hopefully um, we will get to the point where they will wake up. Thanks so much, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 